So today, we are, we've been talking about, and I don't even know if you can see these up here, uh, we've been talking about our core values, and we started last week on multiplication, multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches. Today, we're going to skip down to service, being the hands and feet of Jesus, and I promise you, I will not try to beat you up about service, okay, because that wouldn't be right, right? That wouldn't be like Jesus, <laughs> But I might challenge you. Hopefully, I encourage you. Hopefully, I instruct you. All of those things are important when we're learning something. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that your presence is here with us. You said, Lord, if two or more are together, you are with us. And so I thank you. Father, I thank you for how I've already seen your presence affecting lives this morning. People have opened their hearts. I ask you, Father, to help us open our hearts to you and to your word today so that we can become more like Jesus, our role model. Father, help us in everything that honors you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to read from Philippians 2, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV uh, in verses uh, 3 through 7 and then verses 14 through 16. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, so then there's a colon in mind. That means, what is that mindset? Who being in the very nature God, in the very nature, his very nature was God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And skipping down to verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. I said I'm not going to beat you up, but that's what it says in the word. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor. And you can put the word serve in there. I did not serve in vain. And I don't know about you, but anything I do, I don't want it to be wasted. I don't want it to be in vain. I don't want it to be without purpose. And so the things that I do... I want to be honoring Jesus. I want, to be, I want it to work. I want it to be something that works for him. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus served. And we certainly can learn from Jesus because I believe he is our role model in service. He's our role model for service. He served well, and we are all called to serve. So the first thing is Jesus did was he put aside his rights. That's what we call humility. He put aside his rights. As, as servers, we can put aside our rights, our right to maybe get you know, paid for something, our, our right to be recognized. Jesus put all that aside. I was thinking about this. You know, When they were pulling people out of Afghanistan, there were Christians who could have gotten out who chose to stay so Jesus could stay. So they could have an effect on the people around them. So the church could be there. That's humility and service and a lot more things. But that's an example of, because I was thinking, well, no one else is like Jesus. I, I see some people acting like Jesus. 
I mean, that's amazing that they were willing to give up their lives for Jesus. Okay, he's not asking us to do that today, just so you know. I mean, I don't know. He might be talking to you about that, but generally he isn't. But it says here, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He had equal status with God, but he didn't take advantage of that status. He didn't even, he came as the son of man, and just coming as the son of man, in other words, coming as a man, makes him a servant. That makes him a servant. So you see how he is a role model for us in serving. He's not asking us to do all of that. But one thing to note is the servants in Jesus' day and Paul's day when this was written, they were not the maid with the little white thing on their head and the little white apron. Those were, the servants were slaves. They had no life of their own. They had no life of their own. And so when Jesus is talking about, when Paul is writing about, when people are talking about slavery in these days, it was not a pretty thing. It was an ugly thing in many ways. And really the word servant, a lot of times in the Greek, is slave. It means that. So it says Jesus made, himself, made of himself nothing. He gave up everything he had, of course, except his relationship with the Father. Then it goes on to say, do everything without grumbling or arguing. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you a story a little bit about myself, so I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. But don't those two things really tell a lot about your service? If you're grumbling about if you have to show up, if you're complaining that someone is making you do something, if you're telling them how to do it better than you, that's not a servant's heart, is it? But some people haven't figured that out. And our actions storytell more than the words coming out of our mouth sometimes, right? Those actions, those attitudes are our storytellers when they're like that. We want to be storytellers that honor Jesus in our service. So anyway, the first thing is he had this humility. He put aside his rights. The second thing I want to talk about, it says that Jesus looked out, or the servant looks out for the interests of others. Jesus did that. He valued others more than himself. Now, if you heard the sermon last week, I'm not saying that you, 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 you become a, a worthless scum of the earth. You do have to take care of yourself. You do have to put your oxygen mask on first, right, if you're going to help someone else. You do have to keep yourself built up, your faith built up. You do have to deal with bitterness and all those things in your life. But then you're in a position, aren't you, to love someone else. The word says that in order to fulfill the entire law, to keep his command, we have to love God and then love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what we're talking about here. If you have selfish ambition, like it talks about here, and or are conceited, you are valuing yourself more than others. If you're looking out for your own interests before others, you're valuing yourself more than others. And we've already talked about what that means, but... Um, Love is always going to be required. If you're familiar with, uh, with the love chapter, a lot of people have this, you know, reading at their wedding, and love is this, and it's amazing, it's awesome, it's wonderful. It is. The Bible says there, it is the greatest of all. It also says this, and I hadn't paid that much attention, but it says if you don't have love, you're like a noisy gong. What that is talking about 
is a roaring, obnoxious sound. Now, who wants to be around someone that has a roaring, we've all been around those people, right? We've all been around those people that are obnoxious, and, it, and that's what it says, that gong is like a roaring, obnoxious sound. Now, we can choose to be like that without love, but who, who doesn't like being around someone sweet and loving and kind? Most of us do, especially if we're hurting. We want to be around someone like that. Jesus spoke the truth, the hard truth sometimes, but he always did it in love. Again, he's our role model in that. One of the things we tell our greeters, and it's kind of like in a joke, but it's the truth, be nice. <laughs> is that hard? Well, for some people it is probably, and they probably need to repent of that. But just be nice to people. That's, that's how hard it is to serve sometimes. Just be nice. Um, so we see that Jesus had this humility, he had this love. Another thing about Jesus is he served joyfully. He did it to serve us, first of all. And he had to come as a man, legally, he had to come as a man to, to, to shed his blood for all the redemption. But it says that he did all of that for the joy set before him when he went to the cross. He was thinking about all of us when he faced the pain, the rejection, the humiliation, the agony, the hurt, the grief, the loss. He felt all of that, but it says he did that for the joy set before him. That was us. That was us. He did it for us. He loved for us. He's asking us to love others because of that love for us. Sometimes, how do we get to that joy in our serving? Um, as a former principal, administrator, all those things that I did, I had a lot of people that were volunteers. They, I mean, I had staff, but I also had a lot of people that were volunteers. I had to keep them engaged, had to keep them happy, and all of that. But one, there's a passage that really helps me, and that's in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. And it's really written about giving, about money. But, but there is an application here. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That means if you have a hoarding heart toward giving, your heart's not right. And I believe this principle applies to every area of, of like money, time, resources, energy, whatever you have. You're serving. He wants us to have a cheerful heart in our serving. I see cheerful hearts every Sunday when I'm here. I love it. I love it. But I can't see your hearts really, can I? I really can't see your hearts. So you might be showing up with a terrible angry heart. If you need a Sunday off, take a Sunday off. I'm serious about that. We want to have cheerful givers here because you get the blessing of having that cheerful heart. Giving liberally, serving liberally, you're rewarded liberally. So we need to have this right attitude, this right mindset about serving. And when and I, I mean, I literally would tell people, 
when they would come into my office as a principal and I'd interview these families in Christian school and knowing the uh, weight of like the fundraising for the school is tremendous. In our, we don't have vouchers in North Dakota, we didn't, Minnesota. And so I knew what was ahead for them. <laughs> and I would tell them this, you can give as much as you want as long as you're giving cheerfully. Then don't give. Because the school becomes the bad guy, the church becomes the bad guy then. Instead of just giving out of a gracious, loving heart, take a breath, soak in Jesus, and then be ready to give. I'm not saying never give again. I'm not saying that. Cody, I did not say that. <laughs> he still calls us to serve. He still calls us to give. But make sure your heart is right. And of all things Village Church is about, it's about keeping our hearts right, dealing with those things that need to be dealt with. And I would watch people as they served. Um, and as leaders, we're required to watch. And one of the reasons we're required to watch people serve is because we're looking to see if they're faithful or not. If you're not faithful, if someone isn't faithful, they, it, you know, means they, they're going to show up. I don't, I don't have anything then. And so God, the talent part is so secondary to the faithfulness. It is so secondary. If you're a faithful person, you are a candidate to serve. Amen. And you can learn to be faithful. <laughs> you don't have to stay where we are. One thing we are... Um, I'm just going to tell you a little story about my family. And um, nine of us in our family, seven kids. And uh, let me just say this. At least one in the family was more of a talker than a server. I'm going to let you guess who that might have been in my family. Yeah, right here. And I tell you, they're servers in my family. They work hard. They do things that they're supposed to do, and they think of other people. And when I was a kid, I was not so much. So one year, a cow died. I was on a farm. And, you know, this is North Dakota, so I think it was like in the winter, like, like late spring, winter. We have, we have two seasons, winter, summer, and it's like the summer is this much of the year. Okay, so the cow dies. That means the ground is frozen. Uh, the cow is frozen, you know, these, it's hard for you to maybe picture all this, but someone has to, somehow we have to dig a hole to bury the cow. And so my dad decided to put that out on bids to see who he could get to dig this hole big enough for this cow. Well, he didn't look for contractors, he looked at his kids. <clears throat> my sister's the oldest, <clears throat> she's one year older than me. She got the bid. She literally had to wait for the ground to start thawing. And I think what she did was she'd go out and, and uh, cause the ground thaw, freezes way down. And so she'd go out and start digging that hole and down to where it was frozen. Then she'd have to go back out another time. <laughs> this is my sister, she's amazing. So she dug this hole. She doesn't even remember it. She says she, she put so many horrible things out of her memory. But anyway, she told me that yesterday, she doesn't remember it. <laughs> so here she is working this hard, and she did it. I could tell you so many things. I mean, she, she has flipped houses. She's done owned businesses. She's remodeled every home. She, she's an amazing server, and she has an amazing hospitality gift. This is, and she could sew anything. Like, she went to school and got a degree in New York City at the Fashion, uh, FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology. Her senior year, she spent out there. I mean, she can do anything. 
And then here I come along just trying to sew a napkin. Like I, I, and I hated it so bad that I finally, my mom said, stop, you don't have to sew. Anyway, this is my sister. She's amazing. She's amazing because I would complain about every little inch of it. She worked hard. But the deal about this story is, even if I had submitted the lowest bid for that cow, I'm pretty sure my dad wouldn't have, had, wouldn't have chosen me. Because he did not want to listen to the complaining, the moaning, the carrying on, the fussing that I had learned to do to get out of doing stuff. He knew that. He chose my sister who he knew had the, had the right heart. And that's God looks on the heart. He looks to see, are we willing to serve? Are we willing to serve? Another story about me, quick one, is one time I was washing dishes. I remember it so well, washing dishes after lunch. And my mom hands me back a saucepan to do over again. I even remember what pan it was. I took off from house. I ran away from home. And you know what? It, what I didn't stay very long because, you know, at the farm we had, like, uh, breakfast, morning lunch, dinner, we called it, afternoon lunch, supper, and then probably a I mean, this is the farm life because everyone's working except me, and guess who got fat? You know, I mean, like, this was the, the whole process of, of all of it. And I'm sure I was home by mid-afternoon lunch. But anyway, I ran away from home because my mom handed me a pan that I had to do over again. So this, I'm just telling you where I was. This is me. I don't, I, never, I don't think any of my siblings ran away for that reason, different reasons, but not that one. And that was my before Jesus days. And, you know, we were, I knew we were going to be a little bit short on people to set up chairs this morning, so I'm walking through the gate over there, and I'm thinking... I might have to set up chairs. But I kept my heart right. I came in the door ready, and I got here, and oh my gosh, they were set up, and it was, we, it was amazing. It was amazing. But I, I, I knew, see, we always have to just deal with our heart, don't we? We just go to the heart, Lord, am I willing to do it? By the way, my sister, the amazing grave digger, <laughs> just so you know, a few years later, when we were in college, we were actually roommates together in college. Best roommate I ever had. Best one. She gave her heart to Jesus. 30 years later, she told me, because she saw what Jesus did in me, she saw the heart change. She saw the complainer, the whiner, the moaner become a worshiper of Jesus. She's an amazing person. Okay. Jesus does not ask us to serve without giving help for us. I think, I think we know the nature of Jesus well enough to know that. But he, Jesus provides more than we need to, in order to serve well. More than we need. And you'll see it by the end of this. First of all, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to serve. And I believe we are anointed by the Holy Spirit to serve. And we clearly see it in the Gospels that Jesus was anointed, right? I mean, everything he did was amazing. We could see that. And we know that he spent a lot of time with his father, and that, again, is a clue. His power came in all, I believe, all those hours he spent with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. That's where the power came from. He submitted his heart. He submitted, submitted his life to his Father daily. 
Shortly after Jesus went into the wilderness and contended with the devil and won with the word, he went in there and he fasted for 40 days first. So he was, you know, I mean, it's amazing, the whole story. Jesus stood up in the temple after that and read from, um, and actually it's out of Luke 4.18, but he was reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he listed off the things he was anointed to do. He knew that the spirit had, had given him that power. And then uh, after he went to heaven, um, or before, he, yeah, after he went to heaven, 50 days later, Pentecost happened. That's when the Holy Spirit came to live on all, in all of us. And so he clearly told us in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That's the power to be storytellers. Even, just even that aspect, we've got power of the power of God behind us to do that. He's anointed us to be the storytellers. He's anointed us to serve. And some say, well, how do you know like, how do you recognize that, if you don't know? Um, I sense it when I'm teaching. Like, when I was teaching school, I'd be teaching along, you know, not math as much, but teaching in some of the other areas, and I would just sense this, I was like on a roll. And it was like, don't interrupt me, I'm on the roll. I'm on a roll right now, don't interrupt me, you know? And, and uh, that's how I, like, I'm doing that. You might sense it when you're trying to develop a new recipe. You might sense it when you're taking... Um, giving someone a ride somewhere, like this just feels, I don't know how to explain it, except there's this lightness that comes, and it's, it's like, it's easy. It's like it's easy to do it. So we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help us. In addition to that, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Bible says he gave gifts to his people. And this is over in Ephesians 4. And I think this might have been one of Jesus' favorite things about going to heaven, besides being with his father, of course, was the parting gifts he gave. He gave parting gifts and a lot more. And he knew, and I thought about this, Jesus really knew what it was like to serve on the earth. He had been through it without a lot of help from, I mean, the disciples were maybe a little help here and there, but from the stories we see in the Bible, the accounts, they weren't always a help. And he knew, he saw the limitations of the people around him, and he knew we'd be desperate for these gifts, desperately needing them. So in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it lists some of these out. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to us, right? He gave them to us. To equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So he gave, he gave these gifts to the body of Christ. So these, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, those are gifts to us because he knew we desperately need them. Jesus was all of those, by the way. If you read, look through the whole Bible and the accounts, all that he did in the New Testament, he, he functioned in all of those. He was perfect. He could do those. But did you see there that those gifts are not to do all the work of the ministry? 
It's to, those gifts are to equip his people for the works of service. So just so you know, making that clear. But in addition to these five ministry gifts, he also lifts, lists out in the Bible, there are lists of gifts, the motivational gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the Word of God, the authority He gave us, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the grace that He provides for everything, His supernatural help. And so we seriously have no excuses. He's given us more than we need to serve Him. So we see so far Jesus is our role model for service. Jesus provides more than we need to serve well, right? And then we serve together with Jesus. So with all of these resources, it's clear, I think it's pretty clear he wants us to do something. Have I clarified that today so far? Hopefully. Do something in service for him and his people. It's also very clear that he worked very closely with the Father and Holy Spirit. They work together. They're one, of course, but when he ministered. Jesus is described as the head of the church and we're the body. If you haven't read that, it, I mean, it literally says in there, uh, can, can, the, can the foot say to the whatever, foot, foot say to the hand, you don't, I don't need you. That's a great picture of the body. Jesus is the head and we make up the body. We are attached, right? Jesus has not been beheaded. We are attached to the head. We're attached to Jesus' head. This is where the connection, this is where, uh, this is the headquarters, right? And he sends out what we're supposed to do with him. And I would not want to be serving without being attached to the head. And if, so if you're out of your place, you aren't able to flow and function the same way you are if you're attached to the head and doing what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be doing it. And it's a beautiful picture. He wants to work together with us. He calls us co-laborers, and some version says co-workers, uh, uh, fellow workers. In another place, it says uh, that we share a mutual assignment. I like that. We share a mutual assignment with Jesus. It's to save the lost, basically, and build up the body of Christ to save the lost. That's the whole, that's the whole picture of what it's about but I want to be on God's team. I want to work with him. I want him to be the head of everything. So what does serving at Village Church look like? Many of you know, many of you are serving. And this, I, like I said, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I just want to build a case for serving. Build a case for it. Because some of you, God's been speaking to you about doing something different or something more. I'm giving you permission to check into that. We have some great leaders here. Um, just so you know, anyone who works with children or youth of any age, there's a background check required for that. We also have a, a unique, uh, we have a system of training, a four-part step for training. And at any part in that training, and Sonia could tell me if I'm wrong, but if you just do that first step and you feel like this is not right for me, that's okay, then you know. Am I right, Sonia? We don't make people go through the four steps. We like you to go through and really see what it's like, but we don't, just so you know. Uh, like I talked about, the Sunday morning setup and teardown. We need people. We need people to do that. Um, and by the way, if you happen to be here and are able to help tear down or set up, it's, so, it's okay if you help. It's okay. 
You know, you might want to find out to do it right. You don't want to be grumbling and complaining about how it's happening. But just so you know, you're able to do that. Uh, Sarah Smith does the, is in charge of the greeting ministry. You have to be nice in that one, just so you know. We have security. We have people who do security for us. We have media. We have the village kids with, is it four groups, Sonia, in the village kids right now? Yep, four different age groups going from nursery up through fifth grade. Uh, Jessica and Sonia do that. We have village youth on Sunday afternoons, two to four, two to four right here. And then other activities, you know, youth activities. You've got to be kind of crazy to work with youth, but that's okay. Or you can be the adult in the room, right? Don't you need both? Yeah, you need both. Um, the, the whole pathway, that's the greeters, then the newcomer lunch, and the, and the rooted, and the, and the tribe groups, all of that, we need people all the time, and we're developing more and more people to do with that. Um, but can you bake a cake? Could you host the newcomer lunch? You know, those are things, those are all different things that, you know, maybe that's in your heart to do that. We also have special events like VBS and um, the Village Kids Christmas program is coming up. If you like to do Christmas programs, um, we do food handouts in the community. We have other holiday events and community activities. But here's the big thing. What is Jesus asking you to do? We cannot read your minds. We don't usually know your experiences, your talents, your abilities, your interests, your desires, your passions. We don't usually know all that. I wish I did know all that, but I don't always. And if you think there's no place for you to serve at Village, you haven't heard the dreaming that goes on. You haven't heard Pastor Cody or Jess or Sonia or Katie and Bart. You haven't heard Sarah and Craig. You haven't heard our tribe group leaders and our board. You haven't heard what they've been dreaming about. It takes a lot of dreaming to grow something wonderful. So let's serve together. Let's serve like Jesus. Let's serve with Jesus. Let's do it in faith, knowing he's provided everything that we need to do what we need to do. So I'm asking you this today. I'm not asking you to sign up for anything, just so you know. Because I want that to be a work of God. I want that to be coming out of the inside of you as the Spirit leads you in that. But we do have over here on the, by that wellness thing, that little thing Cody talked about, that bowl, and if there are areas that you need to surrender, a lot of times with people, it's fear. Like, I'm just too afraid to do something. I, I might not do right. Or it might be selfishness. It could even be a pity party. Just saying. I don't know. I've been through all of those, so, you know, just so you know. But if you want to write something on it and just give that to Jesus and ask you to help him with that, you can do that today at the wellness station. And if you want to make an appointment to talk to someone in any of those ministries, you can find out from us. You can even go online and write on, online. Uh, you can contact the church through that. Communicate, contact with the church, yes. Info at villagechurchaz.com is, uh, is uh, an email address you could use. But we're never alone in our serving. He's a good God. And he honors, I've seen him do it over and over again, he honors our service. He blesses it. He rewards it. He rewards our service, just so you know. So let's uh, pray together. Father, when you sent Jesus, you knew what you were doing. 
You knew we needed an example, a role model. You knew we needed to see the ultimate service, the ultimate humility, the ultimate love. We needed those examples for us, Lord. And so we ask, Father, to open our hearts, first of all, to you, and then to open our hearts to serving, if not at Village Church, then somewhere, Lord. Whatever is in your heart, Father, we ask you to put it in our heart. You designed us. You created us beautifully and perfectly. And you had purpose and plan in all of it. You know what we need. Help us to draw near to you, Lord, just to hear you, just to hear the call, just to hear what you want us to do, Lord. We trust you, Lord. And Lord, we just use this time now to, to worship you, to love you back. That's what worship really is, just loving you back. In Jesus' name, amen.